Welcome to the new and fresh episode of Books and Beverages. My name is Fred Kumalo of City Press. And of course, the show is held under the auspices of the newspaper. Now, in the studio today, this is our virgin, virgin uh, show. We are joined by Melusi Shabalala. He is one of the most engaging voices in the literary space in South Africa today. Uh, he has published two books, the first of which was Magenge Let Us Talk. We Need to Talk, which came out in 2020. 20? Three books. Three books. You remember my Facebook, Mel every day. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course. Now I'm being corrected. <laughs> that, that's how we first <laughs> met and engaged. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we're going to go back to what the book was about yeah. and what inspired it. But for now, let's just say, you, we are going to start with the latest, yes, Gogo Magic. Yes. Yes, uh, which is also autobiographical. Anyway. Yeah, so logically, let's just start with your writing journey. Okay. So let's go back to the first book, what inspired it, or oh, what inspired you to think about writing? I mean, we live in a very modern age, fast age, whereby people are telling stories through video and so on. Why write? Okay, I, I mean, I, I think I'll address the, the, the video thing first. Um, you know, when I walked in here into, into the studio, into the setup, and I saw a camera, I almost turned around. I'm not a video person, so I think writing suits me because I don't like being seen. You know, I prefer to write and, and, and be read. You know, people enjoy my writing, but not necessarily see me. I think I can say I am shy, but many people will dispute that, but I am. So you will never see me. Let me not say never, but it, it, it's not the first thing that comes to mind for me to, to be a visual storyteller. I, I like words and I like putting them down on paper. And the first time, uh, for the benefit of um, our listeners out there, readers of City Press. Uh, the first time I encountered um, or I came across Melusi, uh, Melusi's name was through Facebook, on his Facebook page. Uh, he had come up with this very interesting concept where he is um, teaching people Isizulu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in a very relatable way and not dogmatic, not, not like a school mummish teacher saying, this is how you learn Isizulu. Very conversational, very funny, and so on. So let's get to the first book. Um, okay, the, the fa Facebook post grew into a book. Yes. Take us through that process. So, I mean, as, as you are well aware, I, I, am, I am an ad man, an ad professional. I've been working in advertising, I think it's 25 years now. And I started my career as a copywriter. And as soon as I got into the industry, it didn't take me long to be irritated and disheartened. And that came from the fact you back then, not less so now, the industry really treated African languages poorly. You know, and, and so for me, when I saw how the industry was treating African languages poorly, it told me that it doesn't care about us. So as somebody working in there and in a junior position, you couldn't really make a difference. But every day you come to work and you feel like, what am I doing working with these people who don't really care about me or my people or what we are about as expressed by how they treat their languages? Now, how do I mean they treated our languages poorly? Back then, and I say back then because things have changed, but not entirely. Back then, 
you would write a radio script and then radio was a key is a, is a key medium that demonstrates this lack of respect for our languages you would write a radio script in english and then that radio script would be taken to a translator who would then translate it into the various languages all the other 10 including africans and as you you know when we were talking about which how we may lose every day zulu is not um what's the word stuck up in how i teach isuzulu the translators back then would be sticklers for for translating it in a traditional sense the language and that was through no fault of theirs that was their training but that was the first problem right where the agencies wouldn't find people who would be able to translate the concepts not just the language but that the concepts must come through yes so there, there was a lot of literal translation i remember it wasn't an advertising script but um a line from one of those american shows which, which had been dubbed into isizu yes the line was well the original line in english make my day <laughs> and then uh, the translation in isizu yenza usulwami yes <laughs> which did make sense that makes sense at all <laughs> yeah. so 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 we had that challenge and that challenge is not necessarily a reflection of a disrespect for the language on the surface mm. but it is because those people that ran that system we're not bothered whether it's translated properly or not as long as sure. you got the english right and you got the africans right life carried on sure they didn't care what happened and then the second challenge comes when those ads are recorded so what happens is let's say the the, the copywriter is u, u john thompson he goes into studio he records the english makes sure that it's amazing records the africans make sure that it is amazing and then he leaves the people that are left in studio are the sound engineer and the language advisor but these people are not the custodians of this concept they are not as invested you you sure. can't blame them uh-huh. they've got other things to do so the quality is then shoddy at times and a great example of how that quality can be shoddy is if when we're booking voice artists to then deliver those scripts if i am an instructor a speaking voice artist and you ask me if i can also do this well i'll say yes because i want the money yes right yes but they would never allow that sort of lax uh, quality control in english and africans yes so when i when you switch on umhlobo wenene o ukozi the ad that you heard sounding amazing on metro fm doesn't sound as amazing on umhlobo wenene or any other african language station so this is something that had bothered me for a while and in 2017 i wrote an article and this article was addressing this thing but i i wasn't going to speak to ad agencies i was speaking to marketers and saying they are failing in their duties and they are wasting their bosses and their employers money by continuing to work with ad agencies that are populated and run by people who do not care about the market that you are trying to reach i wrote this i tried to make it funny because i didn't want it to come across as better but as i was reading it there was no way it wasn't going to come across as better and i thought the only thing that i'm going to achieve in the article is that i'm just going to get less business because i i started my own ad agency at the time and as you know human beings when you call them out they just shut you out mm-hmm. no one likes to be pointed to and said you are doing a bad job especially when they have the power to complicate your life sure so i shelved that article mm-hmm. and i would also at the point i was going through my own things in my life i was turning 40 that year i started to introspect i started to listen to podcasts because i wasn't happy with the way i was living my life and we'll get to that with the second book makenge we need to talk 
And one of the things that I came across in one podcast was no one listens to angry people. Just be angry. Anger changes the world. But when you come at people angry, they are less likely to listen to you. You know, and it said, um, instead of shouting at people and pointing out what they're doing wrong, show them how to do the right thing. Sure. And I thought, okay. And then that resonated with me. And I thought, okay, um, let me start showcasing Isizulu. So I decided to post Isizulu Word a day on my Facebook profile, give its English uh, translation, explanation, or equivalent, and then tell a story that brings that word to life. And I did this on my personal Facebook because a lot of my friends, peers, and acquaintances on Facebook are people in advertising and marketing because I've, I'd been working there for four years. Sure. And I hoped would, that would make them take a different look at our languages. So I wasn't teaching mm-hmm. anyone, Mina. It, sure. was, it was literally having fun with my language in the sure. hope sure. that it sure. would inspire others to respect our languages and my peers who are black in the industry to appreciate their own languages a bit more. Sure. So there was a day when I then posted a word, uh, I think it was related to oh, the late president of Zimbabwe, Umkabe. And so all the words, not all the words that I posted on Imelusis Everyday Zulu were pure Isizulu. So this time I had posted a, a, a slang word, if, if you will, Mkabe. And Ukshaw Mkabe is to have a stern face, right? And and then it comes from how the, the late president of Zimbabwe used to look. He always looked stern. And then we started saying, if you look stern, Ukshaw Mkabe. Mm-hmm. So I'd written that word, and really it was a throwaway word. I didn't pay attention to it, and I carried on with my day. I remember at around 11 that day I came out of a meeting and I had about four different requests on Facebook. This made no sense to me because I thought, I'm, an, I'm not a half-naked young woman. Why would people <laughs> want to be my friend? You know, I, like, I'm, I'm not interesting at all. <laughs> and by the end of that day, I had about 2,000 friend requests. Yeah. And I thought, okay, maybe I had been hacked because it made no sense. Mm. I then went into the list of these friend requests and it turned out most of them or a, a good portion of them were middle-aged white women. And that really threw me for a loop when I afraid I didn't understand what was going on. And at that time, the last person who would have white friends would, would have been me. Yeah. I know you were angry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you were angry. Yes, yes. I was just like, no, no, no. And I was like, what do these people want from me? Yeah. You know, and it was also around the time of uh, when Helen Zillow was saying crazy things. Yeah. And I thought, I, you see here, I'm just setting myself up for, for aggravation. But then I contacted a, a friend of mine who was a, a, a former creative director of mine, a middle-aged white guy. And I said, hey, Mlungu, since you are a middle-aged white man, can you tell me what these uh, middle-aged white women want from me? And he said, perhaps they just want to learn Isizu. That caught me completely off guard. Okay. It had never crossed my mind what white people would want to learn any of our languages. Mm. And, and I was doubtful that that's what was happening. Mm. But then at the same time, I got a, a message on Facebook, an inbox, and it was a middle-aged white woman saying, oh, thank you very much for what you are doing, teaching us. And my first reaction was like, I'm, I'm not teaching you. I'm not doing this for you. Mm. you know, and, and because you know, I was angry. You know? mm. So here I am doing this thing. Because your people are messing us around and you you're coming in you're thanking me saying i'm doing it for you but because of the journey that i was like you know what let me not react like that let me hear what this woman is saying and she was saying what i've always wanted to learn what and that interaction with that woman then prompted me 
to accept these friend requests, but with the intention of blocking them if they start their nonsense. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have blocked many, mm -hmm. but way more have stayed than I ever imagined. Right, and the thing grew so much. It I then started its own Facebook page mm -hmm. to leave my uh, Facebook alone because I I still wanted to write my own things that have nothing to do with mm -hmm. this Zulu or anyone else. And and some of those uh, people on my page were also very judgy. You know, I would write my own private jokes, and they would judge me because now they'd see me as as a a unifier of nations. And me, I was no such thing. You know, I was just a guy with the laptop. Mm. So I ushered them out of my f private Facebook and said, listen, if you want all these uh, Isuzulu things, go to that page. But me, I'm Umelusi here. I say what I want to say on, on, on my personal sure. Facebook page. And then I'm not even going to lie and say I had the idea to then write a book. No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I'd always wanted to, to write a book. In fact, I was in the middle of, of... No, let me not say in the middle. Let me not exaggerate. I was at a concept stage of writing a book, when I got a publisher, contact me and they said, would I like to turn Melus's Everyday Zulu? So, so, so the publisher approached you based on your Facebook post? Yes. Wow, amazing, amazing, mm. amazing. Mm. So they asked me, would I be keen? And I said, sure. So the book is a collection of those pieces from uh, Facebook, but also I wrote other pieces specifically for the book. And that's how Imelus's Everyday Zulu came about. And then I went on to also set up an, an online uh, portal at uh, everydayzulu.co.za that actually offers proper um, Isuzulu beginner lessons. Whereas wow. on Facebook and wow. on the book is just one, one word and one phrase. There you learn the fundamentals and the building blocks of and the language. And co contextualize the yes. language. Right? Yes. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So listeners out there, the book is still available. And uh, as Melusi has just explained, you can visit the Facebook page relating to the book and also the portal where you got, get all the language resources relating to Isizulu. Yeah. And then we move on to the next book. The next book was very uh, intensely personal, inspirational, and uh, it is called Magenge, We Need to Talk. Explain that. What does that mean to, to those who are not familiar with that lingo and um, what the book is or was about and uh, what you set out to do through that book? Yeah, so, you know, besides uh, both books, Carrying Kaiser Chiefs colors. <laughs> ah, ah, now you disappoint me. Ah. Um, funny enough, even though those books on the surface are not related, yeah, but if if you if you were to read them back to back, emailus is every day Zulu, Nemaking, we need to talk. You would see that, that, that there is a journey. In in Emilus is every day Zulu, I, I I write about marriage quite a bit and, and relationships. And if you pay close attention, you can see I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm skeptical about marriage and relationships in, in, in that book. In fact, there's even a section where I start a chapter by saying, I think it's, it's a chapter about family where I say, I don't know if I'm doing a good job as a father, you know, and I don't know if I'm doing a good job as a husband. I hope by the time you read this book, <laughs> I would still be a husband because, well, at least my children cannot leave me. So I'll, I'll definitely still be a father. Mm -hmm. And then 
I open him again and we need to talk with the collapse of my marriage, you know. So, 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 so it's a journey. Because by the time I wrote Imelusi's Everyday Zulu, I had seen something wasn't right. And not only in my marriage, but in my life in, uh -huh. in, in general. But I could see that this marriage is, is, is going. Uh -huh. You know, I tried to save it, but I think it might have been not the right thing. <laughs> I know it, it, but then I didn't know it was too late, but I know now that it was too late. And so... When the marriage collapsed in, in 2018, I mean, I, I went through a rough time. It's, it's in the book, so I can talk about it. It's not as if I went through a really rough time and uh, my friends were there for me, you know, in, in, in their own special way, you know, mocking me in, in ways that they knew I would understand, you know. And so it inspired me to start writing a book about male friendship. You know, and, and, and the power of that friendship and how it can get you through some of the toughest times. Again, it was going to be a funny book. I, I Not that I'm unable to write serious things. I, I can, but I have no interest in writing serious things. They do not interest me. There are people who can do those things. Mm -hmm. That's for them. Um, so even though I was going to touch on serious matters, I was going to keep it lighthearted. But as I was writing this book, I, I was watching on social media. And what social media had done for me through Melissa's Everyday Zulu is that it had introduced me to many women. And, and they were vocal about the, their struggles and their issues. I didn't grow up uh, having women friends. You know, I grew up and, and that would be a bad thing. So I had no relationships with women any real ones outside of if I work with you, we are related or we are in a relationship of some sort. But otherwise, I, I have nothing to do with you. So I really didn't understand, not even that I didn't understand, just women's issues were, were non factor to me. You know, and, and that was the life that I knew. But as I was observing uh, on, on social media, I was like, no, man, something is going on here. You know, uh, women seem to be very unhappy. You know, and then I remember when I, I pitched uh, the original book, the one celebrating male friendship, mm -hmm. the publisher said to me, perhaps this is not, uh, or rather said, isn't there an opportunity? And it was a black woman, I forgot her name, but she said, isn't there an opportunity for someone like you to start talking to your brothers about some of the issues mm -hmm. that are, you know, being brought up? And I thought, hey, as in my sister, you know, I, I am no psychologist, I am no priest. In fact, I've got my own skeletons. Mm. The last thing I need is to put up my hand and then get a smack. Yes. But as I was paying more and more attention, I thought something needs to be spoken in. And the th thing that really got me going wasn't just about gender relations. It was also, so I was looking at my brothers, you know, uh, Every time in a two, you're hearing of Uban Bani got shot way. Uban Bani is in jail way. Uban Bani is in hospital. And when you look at a lot of those things, they are self-inflicted. Or let me not say inflicted. It's, it's the choices that we we make. You yeah. know, fortunately enough, some of us now are in our 40s and, and later. So you are less likely to get yourself into those kinds of trouble. But we have younger brothers, we have cousins, we have friends, we have younger brothers and cousins. And you can see that life is just very wobbly for 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 young men but particularly for young black men mm -hmm. i mean if you know if if you are to be killed as as a, as a young black man the chances that you're going to be killed by another young black man are pretty high yes in fact the chances 
that anyone in this country will be killed by a black man are pretty high. Yes. And I thought, why are we accepting that? Why are we accepting being the boogeyman mm -hmm. as if that is our position mm -hmm. in life and as if that is okay? It is not okay. And so I then thought, no. And also, sorry, before I even... What I also noticed is conversations on social media, people were missing each other. The people that we were talking to, young men, were not speaking the language of young men. Mm. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and there were, I mean, there's a lot of, of gender studies speak, you know, mm. that no one understands. Mm. Toxic masculinity. Yeah, and, and people just yeah. get defensive yeah, and go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I understand, mm. but fortunately, because of the journey, the personal journey that I'd been in, I think I was primed to hearing things a bit better than I would have maybe two years earlier. Mm -hmm. Or three years earlier, you know. And so I thought, what if I try and decipher some of these things that are being said? Mm -hmm. You know, I take what is being said and I speak to Amakeng in Makeng speak. Mm -hmm. Because there's no one I know better than black men because that's who I, I, I've spent my entire life with. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to, to write this book, Makeng, We Need to Talk. And it covers a broad range of, of, of subjects. But the, the, the key thing about it is to say, gents, we need to do, first and foremost, the work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, challenges are there. Right? Challenges are there and they're not going to go anywhere. You know, a, a, as a young man, some women will not want you because you don't have money. Some will say you are not attractive. Some will say you are boring. You will be unemployed and that's not about to change. Um, you know, there's so many things that are happening. How are you fortifying yourself? Mm -hmm. Because the external factors, there's very little you can do about them. You know, you can't fix unemployment when as Usbuda There's nothing you can, very little you can do. But you can do a lot about yourself. Sure. So the thing that I spoke about is that, you know, we cannot continue to have a masculinity that's so fragile that every time it is undermined or we feel it's undermined, someone must be injured mm -hmm. or someone must die. Mm -hmm. Let's do the work to find out why we are reacting like this to adversity. Right. And then I also look at, at values. There was a day I, I was meant to have gone to submit a proposal for a project. My, my, the guys I was working with on this project, we'd all put a lot of hard work into it. But on the weekend, I was the one who had the document with me. Yeah. And I got arrested. I don't remember if it was for speeding or drinking and driving. Mm -hmm. And I had to appear in court on Monday. Yeah. And as such, I was unable to go deliver this proposal that we had all worked on. And so as I was standing in the dock, I thought, Melusa, how did you get here? Yes. Why are you in this situation? <laughs> and I, I, I found all sorts of excuses why I was in this situation, blaming this, blaming that, blaming with no my marriage collapse, whatever. And then it hit me, and, and forgive my French, mm. or let's say my, my Swahili, <laughs> my Kiswahili. I said, Melusa, I said, And yep. it hit me. What? Oh my God! And and, and as I was standing there, and, and they were telling me what uh, I might face. All that was happening is in my head. I was playing back all the times I had found myself in trouble, and I realized it was because of the things that impressed me. Yeah, I am here because of the things that I like, mm -hmm. and so that's a common theme in the book. Yeah. And that's a call to say introspect, Mafit. Yeah, for the benefit of those who don't <laughs> understand the concept, if you, if you celebrate machism, uh, the macho culture or the gang-ho culture of, of the Gasi, then you'll be in trouble. 
Yes. Okay. I'm modifying. Yes, yes. Okay. okay. Yes. And and I looked and I looked at not only my friends, my peers, and and just contemporaries, and I realized which oh, most of the time, you know, the situations that we find ourselves in are, are what we've we've built our self-esteem around, and and the things that we think make us men. You know, the things. I mean, back then they used to call me Mshengu Gaiwan. You know, and then you can already hear this is Mshengu Gaiwan. That's just asking for trouble. <laughs> so I've gone out of my way to ask my friends to stop calling him Shengaiwan. I may lose Shabalala. Mshengaiwan is gone. The intimations of violence. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all sorts of, you know, yeah, yeah. In, in, in danger, you know. And so, so the, the book is written, as, as we were speaking like this, it's built around conversations that I've, I've had with my friends about various things. Mm-hmm. And so it's light, it's not uh, heavy, it's not uh, long chapters, it's little snippets. And it's really meant to, even if you don't take anything out of it, it's still a fun read. You know, it's still just an entertaining read. So that, that, that's the, 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 the thinking behind Imakenge and, and the Genesis. And another thing about it is that I grew up without a dad and without a dad. And I say that in the book. And there are many people who grow up without a ma role model. My thing is, if, if, if a young man can just get, even one young man, can get his hands on that book, and then have it as his Bible, as he navigates through life, as he has nobody to share some of their wisdom with him. The book would have done a great thing for me, you know. And 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 because I'm mean and I've lived a, a, a colorful and, and often reckless life, you know. So it's not some priest who hasn't done these things. Yeah. 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 You know. So. No, no. I have read uh, for the benefit of our listeners. I have read the book, and I've shared it with uh, with young people, with uh, with my own sons. Uh, who, who know my troubles, my challenges, <laughs> and so on, to say, okay, don't do as I do, <laughs> do as I say. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I can relate. I can relate with the book, with, with what the book is saying, uh, and uh, it's not in a, it's not written in, in a preachy manner, yeah. which which is uh, its main strength. So, listeners out there, if you are a, um, a woman trying to raise a son. Uh, you're a single parent, this is the book for you. If you are a father who's finding a problem or finding a challenge speaking to your sons, this is a book for you. If you are a mother, a grandmother, this is a book for you to share with your sons. It's also a very powerful uh, intervention uh, from my perspective as a person who has read it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, uh, before we leave this book and, and, and the subject, I suppose, of fathers and sons or people and their sons. I mean, I, I have a 19-year-old son. And the, the one thing that I try and do with my children is to create an environment where they're comfortable to talk to me about sure. their, their challenges that they're facing. Just this um, Monday, and, and he will probably be angry if, if, if I told. But my son has been, uh, you know, struggling with depression and that sort of thing. And... If you don't create an environment where your children can tell you about these things, how they're feeling and how, you know, they're, they're feeling like they're not winning, they're feeling like they're struggling, particularly boys, you know, that's, that's where we find such high suicide rates. So I think as parents, we need to create space, particularly for, for our sons. And I'm not saying our daughters don't need that space, but our sons are being raised to, not necessarily raised in our homes, but by society, to become these unfeeling Things that then feel worthless 
when they are unable to be the men that society um, says they should be. And I touch on this on the book as well, but not only do I touch on it, I, I'm living it, you know, I have, I have my son, whom, you know, I'm glad he was able to tell us how he's feeling and then we're seeking him the help that he needs. So it, it is important to allow young men and men in general to be human beings. You know, I always say, be human before you are man. You know, if you're going to approach everything by saying, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Exactly. Be a human being and accept that human beings go through X, Y, and Z. And then you can be a man. Sure. Yeah. sure. Thank you. Now we get to the, the third and latest book in your growing body of work. So the book uh, is, is a, I think, a departure from the other book because it's, it's a children's book. Yes, yes. But having read it, I can see a lot of melody in there. I can see a lot of autobiography. Yes. So uh, tell us, okay, the book is about Coco Magic and the truck. Um, Coco Magic is cooking food and so on. But tell us, just give us a, a, a summary of what the book is about or what it set out to achieve. So the book, in, in, in what it sets out to achieve, I suppose it's, it's trying to teach children about compassion. You know, not just thinking about yourself and thinking about others as well. Being able to put yourself in the shoes of others. So if you're seeing that someone is, is struggling with something that you're not struggling with, it doesn't mean you must just walk away and look away, but try and get involved and help where you can. But it also speaks to, now this is not just to children, but it speaks to compassion you know, about all of us trying to understand each other's worlds and understanding that just because your world is one certain way, it doesn't mean everyone else's world is, is that way. And for me, it is a very important thing for us to understand each other's worlds. But it becomes very important, particularly for, for children and, and our children who go to, to, to these multiracial schools. And, and I'll be specific, the book is really targeted at, at those kinds of children who, you know, some children have more money than other children in those families. And some children, even black children, don't understand why some people are poor and why some people go through certain things. And so it's about building that compassion and, and that understanding for each other in this country that, that has such uh, great inequality. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, uh, Melusi. I can predict, I'm not a Sangoma, but I can sense that you're working on an autobiography, correct? No, no not right now. Not right now. Right, not right now. Well, I'm planting a seed. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah. No, it, it is in, in the back of my mind, but I think I've got a few more things to achieve to make it more interesting. Okay. You know, <laughs> great stuff. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, gracing us with your presence. You are the first guest on this show, which promises to be a great thing on the literary front in South Africa. Books and Beverages with Fred Kumalo of City Press. Thank you very much, Mishengu. And books are not just about entertainment. Yes, entertainment is very important, but um, social intervention in the challenges that are facing society and uh, you have done that brilliantly through these three books and we wish you luck with your future literary endeavors. Thank you very much.
This is again Fred Kumalo, City Press, Books and Beverages. Uh, our guest was Melusi Shabalala. Thank you very much. Bonga menambula kinya. Nazo kemshen.